Good morning. Um, thank you all for being here today. It's a fun surprise to see so many faces. Um, my name is Jen Schuler, and I'm excited to be here with you today and to talk about community and how we do that well. Um, as we get started, I'll give you just a brief background of who I am. Um, and I'm going to mostly read this so that I stay concise, so I apologize for that, but I think um, we'll get more into the heart of it if I do it this way. Um, I came to know the Lord over a season of time that began in my secular sorority house, Delta Gamma, at UC Berkeley, of all places. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's always surprising, right? Um, through the faithfulness of a few followers of Christ, who strategically lived with 70 of us who did not know the Lord, um, and came together as a summer staffer at Hume Lake the summer after I graduated. That's where my story comes together. Um, the middle part of the story has everything to do with my dad. I woke up to a 6 a.m. call on March 1st, 1999 from one of my dad's best friends informing, informing me that he had been in a skiing accident the day before that left him a C5 quadriplegic. As his only child, he didn't want me to know until the next morning, um, until he came out of surgery successfully because he didn't want me to worry. Um, so um, needless to say, life flipped upside down at that point. Uh, as a side note, I've always been incredibly close to my dad. I thought I was a believer, but my lack of lifestyle change indicated otherwise. I knew about God, but did not have evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in my life, and I became stuck and sad um, in what felt like a hopeless situation after his accident. I knew that I desperately needed the Lord and made the decision to follow my best friend, Julie, to Hume Lake for the summer. Um, and this would be the summer after I graduated from college. By God's grace, I was somehow hired, very late in the process and without sincere faith, though I probably faked it decently well. Um, and during the course of the summer of 1999, I came to actually know the Lord. I don't know exactly when, though I have memories of a few pivotal moments, um, but I do know that I left the summer changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I met my husband, Joel, that same summer. Three years later, and after six summers for Joel and three for me, uh, we moved to Hume five days after our honeymoon, intending to work here for a year or two. We just passed 20 years this June, <laughs> so proving that we just don't know the plans the Lord has for us. Um, as a shout out to my daughter, we have since had three children. Ellie is the oldest, and she's here hosting with me this weekend. Uh, I mentioned last night that I have a passion for community. Community was modeled well for me growing up, particularly through my dad and his family, who were all really good at turning strangers or acquaintances into friends and friends into family. In moving to Hume, I began to experience the community of the church for the first time in daily life, what it looks like for a small town of sorts to be the church to one another and to be folded into a larger family. It has been imperfect, but so good. Some seasons have been harder than others, and there have been dark days, but the Lord is faithful. Somewhere along the way, he made it clear that cultivating community should be one of the things to which I give my time and energy, and has given me both a strong desire to continue year over year, as well as a burden for the ways in which we are missing the mark, often highlighted by people who leave feeling like they were not folded into the Hume family. Um, and if I'm honest, those, kind of, they, those stories stick with me, and I, it will come back again and again. How do we do this better? Unsurprisingly, the Barna Group has conducted research on loneliness. Susan Metz, a behavioral scientist and researcher writing for Barna, defines loneliness as the distress someone feels when their social connections don't meet their need for emotional intimacy. She goes on to say, it's lack. It's disappointment. It's something we are conscious of even when we don't call it loneliness. 
In a study conducted in 2020 pre-pandemic, Barna found that three in 10 Americans say they feel lonely at least once each day. Among practicing Christians, 20% feel lonely. I'm sorry, that was at least, oh no, I think that was at least once each day. Um, among practicing Christians, 20% feel lonely at least once each day, with 10% being lonely all the time. Among US adults, the younger you are, the more likely you are to experience loneliness. I share this just so that we, as we go back into our communities, maybe we have eyes on who might be experiencing this more and how we might fold people in. Um, so those reporting loneliness at least once per week um, of the baby boomers, it was 36%, Gen X 57%, and millennials 68%. Um, lonely for some of each week, boomers were 19%, Gen X 33%, and millennials 46%. And lonely all the time, or constant loneliness, um, boomers 4%, Gen X 15%, and millennials 22%. Uh, feel lonely all the time. Singles are more likely to feel lonely by a wide margin, wider post-pandemic in the research. There's also a strong correlation between those who say they lack privacy and increased loneliness, which would suggest that the mere presence of people doesn't solve loneliness. Um, the research just confirms what I think all of us know and many of us have probably experienced or are experiencing right now. People feel disconnected in ways that grieve their hearts. Let's go back to the definition of loneliness. The distress someone feels when their social connections don't meet their need for emotional intimacy. It would seem that what is missing is depth of relationship. I have a friend who says that the deepest longing of the human heart is to be fully known and fully loved. Um, this obviously happens through God alone in perfect form. However, even in our finite capacity as humans, we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. So how do we cultivate a place of belonging for the people around us and establish the kinds of connections that allow others to feel known and loved? And how do we fold those acquaintances into friends and friends into family? Um, Benjamin Wendell, a self-described millennial writing about his generation in a blog for Barna, says, the kind of community we are searching for is harder, more costly, and more time intensive than we realize. And there are no shortcuts. It is also so much more beautiful enriching and fulfilling than we could imagine. If we truly want our local church to be a life-giving spiritual community, we must entangle ourselves with the people around us. I just love that last image. How do we entangle ourselves with the people around us and how do we do that well? I spent the last four years um, going through the four gospels with my Bible study. We did a chronological parallel study of the gospels, always intending to end up in Acts. I thought it would take us about two years to get to Acts, but COVID. So when we finally did, we felt like we really knew the disciples almost on a casual level, if that makes sense. Like they kind of felt like friends. Um, we started Acts last January and I just couldn't stop smiling. It was so exciting. We watched these guys transform through the power of the Holy Spirit from those who were often confused, concerned with the wrong things, fearful to, to the point of deserting Jesus in his hour of need, sometimes impetuous, think of Peter, and generally just trying to figure things out. To those who were actually doing it, they were speaking boldly, they were loving well, they were unified in mind and mission, they were courageous to the point of death in the name of Jesus, and the church was exploding. I still feel like a proud friend when I talk about Acts, um, just because it's so fun to watch them transform. So listen to the description of the earliest community of believers from Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. 
and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Isn't that beautiful? I read this and think, how do we have a community like that? How do we do that well? Um, They're in the temple together and in their homes together for shared meals daily. They are meeting each other's needs. They're folding in new people. Did you catch that at the end, that they were adding to their numbers day by day, those who are being saved? They're praising the Lord. They have glad and generous hearts. They're devoted to the spiritual disciplines as they live out their faith, teaching, fellowship, the Lord's Supper, and prayer. Jesus himself identified the greatest commandment in the law. This will not be surprising to you. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Doesn't Acts 2 sound like a fulfillment of living out these commandments? How did Jesus love his neighbors as he walked the earth in human form? Jesus entered in and then the apostles entered in. He did daily life with a group of people. He celebrated with them. He wept and mourned with them. He called out their sin and invited them to a better way, the living of life the way God intended. He met practical and emotional needs. He made time for people. He put others first and sacrificed his own wants and perceived needs. He loved well, perfectly actually, in a hands-on, life-on-life way. And then the apostles started doing the same, building the early church family in much the same way, albeit less perfectly than our Savior. Uh Before we dive into a time of, we're going to go into kind of some small group question time and then group discussion a little bit, um, I'm going to read to us a few New Testament passages filled with commands on how to love others as ourselves um, in the character sense, if that makes sense, so that hopefully this will refresh you as you hear the words of the Lord. Uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. This is not an exhaustive list, just a few examples so we can have those things in our mind of what it looks like to love each other well as we think through then how do we cultivate a community together. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4.25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 5.1-2, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Philippians 2.3-4, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. 
And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 4, 5 through 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11a. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So what is hospitality? I'm thinking with the last set of verses. I'm just looking up some quick definitions. One, the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. Two, the quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, generous way. And what does it mean to be hospitable? One, given to generous and cordial reception of guests. Two, promising or suggesting generous and friendly welcome. Three, offering a pleasant or sustaining environment. And four, I love this one, readily receptive. These verses and others paint a picture of the character traits needed to engage with others well, whether believers or not, and the beautiful result of a community marked by a shared pursuit of Jesus. Just reading these words and imagining them lived out is actually refreshing to my soul and I hope to yours as well. Um, however, unless you're experiencing this right now, it can feel daunting to bridge the gap between current reality with any given person or group and these pictures of Christ-centered spiritual family doing life well together. My hope with the remaining time is to dive into the practical side of cultivating community by sharing ideas with each other, answering questions and addressing concerns in the hope of giving us a starting point or simply new ideas and fresh energy in the midst of an endeavor already begun because I think probably a lot of you in the room have started this already or have been doing this a lot more years than I have. Um, so it might require a little bit of bravery in this next segment of time, but I'm gonna ask you to, in a minute, to just kind of turn to three-ish people, um, it's a loose mark, around you, behind you, um, and just engage in some answering of some questions and sharing of ideas. Um, so I might just push a little past a comfort zone. <laughs> so in the first section of time, how do we turn uh, strangers or acquaintances, those people we've met, into friends? Um, how do we begin to engage people in meaningful ways? Fellow believers, um, non-believers, how do we draw people in and begin to establish those relationships? So um, the first question to kind of turn to your neighbors, what makes you feel connected to others in an emotionally meaningful way? Uh, when have you experienced connection and what were the key factors in establishing that? This is gonna go quickly, so it's just a time to share a few ideas, but for you, 
Yes. Uh, what makes you feel connected to others in an emotionally meaningful way? And when have you experienced, or and or, when have you experienced connection, and what were the key factors in establishing that? So if you think at a time when you felt connected in to others relationally, Okay, friends.
Okay, friends. I hate to cut off conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to come back to whole group time for a minute. Uh, so sorry, I hate interrupting good conversations. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say it was such a beautiful um, sound to me to say, like, circle up and then instantly the room filled with conversation. That was beautiful. So well done, like just embracing it and engaging with people. And I think I saw some of you turned around and everything, which is wonderful. I'm guessing some of you might have engaged with people you've not met before. Is that pretty accurate? Oh, I love that. So good. Um, just if someone wants to be brave and share a couple things, um, a few people share what, is, what are some of the things that make you feel emotionally connected to others or when was a time that that was, um, that you experienced that and what were some factors? If anyone wants to share briefly, we're just here. Absolutely. 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 Isn't that amazing, too, that you can come and not know people and you leave yeah. feeling like the best of friends? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. 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 Absolutely. So true. Absolutely. So true. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that's our commonality. And you go there, you learn things about people, 
That's wonderful. Sure. Wonderful. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's tricky. Yeah. So how do you how do I deal with that? Okay. That's beautiful. Yes. However, being Ukrainians a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's an excellent point. Some give and take and yeah, can you can you carve out times? I mean, there's going to be stretches of time where you have people in your home for that long, but can you carve out time where if it's not somebody living with you, that some days of the week everyone gets to come in and he doesn't have to be there if he doesn't want to be? Or, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, maybe you give him freedom not to have to participate in every one, but then there are some days where the house is quiet because, I mean, there is, if he's willing, then that might give you, like, the ability to just focus your hospitality gifts in those segments of time and then still allow him to feel refreshed at home. Oh, so he does love you so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's good freedom. Good freedom. Okay. Um, <laughs> so commonality came up, which is wonderful, and being about the interests of others. Um, making time for people, so many good things everybody shared. I love it. Um, I Just a couple of things. Um, one thing that I have a heart for is how do we, we – there are spaces where it has to be small group gatherings, and if you're introverted, then large group gatherings are not your jam usually. Um, but how do we make space for open invitation gatherings? How do we do that well? Um, and maybe that's a stretch outside of some of our comfort zones. But um, – uh, it's been interesting to me, to, we've done that here at Hume a lot, to watch the connections that then get established in smaller groups of people because they felt welcomed in or there was space for that to happen. Um, so maybe just spend a few minutes 
what are some ways that you can, what are areas that you can stretch in where it's okay to have an open invitation? And your definition of open is probably different than mine. Like at Hume Lake, we're a small community, so open invitation is everyone who lives here. Um, and that's about 300 people. So um, that might look different in a town or a workplace or a Weight Watchers group or a church or whatever that might be. But maybe are there ideas that have worked for you um, or ideas? So I'll give you maybe like two minutes in your groups. Okay, real quick, does anybody feel like they need a definition of open invitation? Things where um, you are able to facilitate groups or gathering or like, uh, for instance, if you're going to have a Bible study, can you just open it up to all rather than handpicking a few people to join you? If you're going to have, I'll give you an example um, on the front end. So at my house, we've been doing bring your own meat barbecues for 10 or more years now. Um, and that allows me to say to all of the Hume Lake people who live here, Anybody come on a Wednesday, bring your own meat and a side dish to share. So it's a potluck of sorts, but you're bringing your own entree. Um, and we provide the rest of the stuff. So just paper and plastic ware. Um, I happen to make homemade s'mores for dessert because that will bring people into a fire pit, but you don't have to. So it's the way that we've been able to maintain a barbecue every Wednesday of the summer for as many people who want to come. No, so this is just like how do you make space for some who don't know where to connect in but might be willing to walk through a door, which I've got, I've had a lot of introverts in my yard too that then connect, because uh, a fire is an amazingly good connection point for people who. Oh, no, no, it, it, no, it, no, no, it doesn't have to be that. Oh, no. You don't have to. So, can, so can, you do, can you do an open invitation to a group of people, like if you're in your workspace, could you do something where um, everyone can meet for a walk? Whoever comes to meet for a walk can meet for the walk. Does it have to be like just these hand-picked people or this group of five? Whoever wants to show up to coffee, come to coffee. Doesn't have to be 300 people. Yeah.
Okay, friends, we're going to gather back here together. <laughs> I just, the people with the, the talent of whistling, I'm impressed. Um, the, I'm so, I love the way everyone's just joining in conversation. Um, were there a few quick ideas? And one good thing that came up on the side was, this doesn't have to be in your home. It doesn't have to be 300 people by a long shot. But what are some of those things that you can feel free to invite others in whenever the time arises? Like these two women here say that they meet at the gym. So is there something like that where you can, you know, if you meet a newcomer, can you say, hey, we meet at the gym every whatever at 8 o'clock. Join us if you want, you know? Yes. Definitely, definitely. Um, we used to have a tradition where every Tuesday during the summer, it was Tuesday Youth Day. Ooh, I love that. Of our church. And so women always, you always knew that there were going to be other kids who played with your kids and they could go invite people. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And then also, we used to do this thing at UBC. It was like a women's luncheon, but it was like a, like different breakout seminars for crafts. Like oh, yeah. I love that, the hands-on. Mm -hmm. Anybody else want to share an idea or two? Ways to hook in? Oh, yeah. That's lovely. That's so great. <laughs> yeah, we're all coming to your canning day. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, love that. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. I got to go to one of those. Not at your house. I would love to come. <laughs> one more over here. Oh, that's what it's. Yep. Oh, it's always like, so you said 10 to 15 people every Monday night around your table. Yeah. Who could fit around your table? Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, that's probably a good segue into how do you fold friends into family? So, um, this part will keep whole group because we are kind of quickly running out of time. Um, some of that is just time spent, right? And we've talked about that in ideas. It's time. It's being vulnerable. Um, vulnerability invites vulnerability, right? If you're open with your life, people generally will be with theirs as well. And that consistent time, consistent time, making that space for time. Um, so one of the things would be, and this kind of can go for both, whether you're talking to a stranger or trying to fold somebody into the, your larger family, ask good questions, 
to be interested in the interests of others um, and to get to the heart of who they are. Um, so for whole group, what are some of your good questions? What are some of your go-tos that tend to draw people out? Mm-hmm. Yes. I learned a trick in my sorority um, years ago when we'd have five minutes to get to know somebody and decide if they should, like, if they're going to be invited back, which sounds really awful. Um, <laughs> but that's the process. Um, so when it, it's, like, really hard to just sit stranger after stranger and get them to talk. And one of the girls said, um, just make a question out of every last word of their answer because they're all super nervous. So if you say, like, what are some of your hobbies? And they say, soccer soccer and then usually they'll say another sentence and then you can make a question out of that anyway it's just a little trick but the tell me more yes Absolutely. Yep. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. At another time. Exactly right. Um, that's something my dad was really good at. Um, so I mentioned my dad in the beginning. And in a month from yesterday, it will be six years since he was moved home. Um, but in his life, he was always really good at being interested in others. Uh, he had, in his last 17 and a half years when he was a quadriplegic, he had caregivers that came in the house um, five days a week. Not caregivers, I'm sorry, he had a caregivers every day of the week. Um, he had physical therapists that came from, we lived a block and a half from the University of the Pacific, and they had a master's program in physical therapy. So the PT students would come. They were so happy. You don't have that many spinal patients that you're able to actually work on. So they would come to range him. Um, and he would pay them a small thing every day. And he would get to know these students for two years at a time, um, which he loved. He was always all about others and loving people well. And one of the things that he just did remarkably well was to be about the interests of others. And so it would be things like he would get to know their favorite sports teams, and then he would follow them. And so he'd have a place of commonality to launch the conversation the next time. He would get to know their lives and what hard conversations they were going to have and what problems that they were dealing with. And time after time, they'd come to his home. They were there at least once a week. And he'd follow up and ask about those things. And how did that conversation go? Or how are things going with your girlfriend? Or what's happening here? How's, you know, he'd give him wise counsel, but then continue to follow up. Um, she learned a lot from him about doing the follow-up, being intentional, and across a long time. Um, anyone else want to share some of your good questions? Yeah. share with us, I didn't tell you I was going to do this ahead of time, but I almost tracked you down before the seminar, um, not knowing you were on the hill. So 
Um, can you share with us the kind of the the style of questioning you did with the security guards at the beginning of summer that took a group of strangers and they went from, so our nephew was in her security crew this summer and he came home and dialogued about how that worked out where they had a night and it was about five hours long, like cap and chance, it wasn't scheduled for five and they went from strangers into feeling like family in five hours. Yeah. Like that happened to her or whatever. And so it's just, it, it's been great. It's, it's gotten more expansive. But the, the engagement is the most important part. And then the information being displayed. And then we all share that lunch and breakfast. And then at breakfast, yeah, it works for breakfast too. So then it's really important to help them with that whole mm -hmm. you know, transition and have mm -hmm. their life be basically their best meal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but you could break that up like yeah, that could be a small group setting too. It doesn't have to be a group as large as our security yeah, team. Yeah, but you could do that in a small group. I think over course of time, even right? Yeah, um, just to invite that vulnerability. Something sometimes it happens naturally over time, but sometimes not. Oh, okay. Yes. That's great. Yes. Which is great too for people who feel uncomfortable even with one other person. Then two or three is a stretch, but you can do it. Yes. And actually I found over time that um, starting with strangers and trying to go to a deeper group, that sometimes it's really helpful to have at least two of you engaging with the third or fourth person that you're inviting because three or more tends to keep conversation going instead of hitting those awkward pauses. But um, I would love to have you turn and have more question time, but we need to get over to our next session. So I want to say thank you to all of you. Um, if anyone has more hindrances to hospitality, I'll stick around for a few minutes if you want to dialogue about circumstances. Um, and then just as you go, um, I would think all of you probably would have a similar answer to this of when you've experienced family in your life, because that was going to be the next thing that we talked about. Um, what makes you feel like family with other people? My guess is it's when you feel known and loved. So how do we then go out and intentionally know people and communicate that they are loved and wanted and that they have a place of belonging with you, whether that's inside your home or outside your home? 
um, where can you make a home for them in your heart and that they would know that. Um, yeah, so thank you all for participating with me today. Um, and I'm just going to pray this over you as we close. Um, I'm going to pray through Ephesians 3. Lord, I thank you for the women in this room and their hearts to um, love others well. Lord, I pray that according to the riches of your glory, that you may grant to them to be strengthened with power through your spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith, that they, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that they may be filled with all of your fullness, Lord. Lord, we say now to you who are able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.